Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts, friends. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. Oh my goodness, friends. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode today. Hey, listen, right up front, if you or someone you know has experience with, is experiencing, or needs some help with the issue of domestic abuse, this is the episode for you. I'm honored today to bring you my friend and worldwide expert on human trafficking and domestic violence, Dr. Ludi Green. I love Dr. Ludi's story. I love her heart, her passion, her drive, her ambition, and her accessibility. You guys, in this episode, you're going to hear a story about how somebody reached out to Dr. Green in this pandemic, slipped a note under her door looking for help. Are you that person looking for help today? I'm going to get out of the way so that you can listen to the conversation with Dr. Green and ultimately so that you can be unleashed to be a leader in your own life. Here's my conversation with my friend, Dr. Ludi Green. Dr. Green, thank you so much for coming on the show. It is my pleasure and my honor to just share you with my listeners and to share your heart and your work. And so as you may or may not know, the theme of this season is thriving in the thick of it. And so the first question I'm going to ask you, Dr. Green, is what are you thriving in the thick of right now? At the height of all my problems right now, you know, I have been like focusing on helping others. Yes. So that's the way that for me, it helps me move on because I'm not focusing on my own issues, but I start seeing others' needs. So by feeling those needs, then totally turns me into another, you know, person. I just like completely start seeing more positive things. Mm. I start like being more um, aware of my environment, doing things better. I become hopeful. Yeah. Very hopeful. And uh, change my whole environment. Yeah. It's fascinating that you say that, Dr. Green, because it's it's kind of a... Uh, a paradox. So we live in a world in a time where we're taught to love ourselves, to focus on ourselves, to fortify ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we can be of service to somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the message that you just shared resonates with me so deeply because what I have found to be very true is that if I focus on serving other people through whatever giftings I have, serving them and helping them with their challenges Mm -hmm. that then suddenly it's not that my problems disappear, Mm -hmm. but it's that I am more fortified. I am more um, equipped, I guess, Mm -hmm. just from the simple act of serving other people. And it sounds like that's a similar experience for you. Yeah. It it really, what you're saying is the truth because it has given me a purpose for living. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole message in regards to my whole life and my organization and my life mission, helping victims of domestic violence. Mm. which is like my main focus. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, okay, that, that's this is going to be a huge conversation, but I have to start with what seems to me to be the most obvious question, and it's probably a pressing question on the lips of many of our listeners right now. And that would be with this current global pandemic mm-hmm. and people being not stuck, but 
making the decision to stay indoors or not being able to go to work because their business is closed or not, you know, not being able to go to school. Maybe they're a teacher or whatever it is. They, they are more readily confined to a space. And let's unfortunately presume that several of those spaces are not safe spaces, that they are uh-huh. havens for domestic abuse. And so my question to you is in your work, and I don't know how much you can share or how, how explicit you can be, Dr. Green, but is there, has there been in the last six, seven months, have you seen an uptick in the incidence of domestic violence and how have you seen it? Because it would seem to me that it would be more hidden than ever. Yes, this bike has been amazing. I mean, that how... The first I want to share about, I created a podcast okay. called Ending Domestic Abuse. Mm-hmm. And basically my podcast relates to the spike on domestic violence. Okay. And my awareness during when we're all trapped inside our homes. Um, and one day in my house, a lady dropped a note under my door asking for help. Mm. She felt her life was at risk and her child's as well. Her little son and um, now, Dr. Green. How did she know? How did she know to drop a note under your door? Mm-hmm. About a few months before, I was interviewed by a magazine, by the Spring Valley Magazine. We have okay. a magazine of our neighborhood, and uh, this lady very nicely interviewed me. So they feature me in the magazine, all my work and everything. You know, people talk, and, and we know our neighbors and all right. that. This person I didn't know, her, but the note came in at, in the midst of the pandemic. And basically, all my focus, because I was so concerned as all of us we were, you know, I had to work and at the same time I had to do so many things, worry about yeah. my daughter somewhere else. But the moment I saw this situation of this lady, my whole life turned around. Mm-hmm. And I said, I need to do something about this. So I said, I'm going to see her. Pandemic, no pandemic, I put my mask, whatever. We meet somewhere, sure. we met outside. And indeed, her life was at risk and her child as well. So how she did had, you communicate back with her? She, she sent me a phone number. Phone. She put me a phone oh. number on the note. She said, please contact me. Cannot, yeah. I cannot give you, she couldn't give me the address or the last sure. name, anything. So she said, I need your help. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that moved me. And from there, I created even this uh, podcast because I felt that now there's communication, working with our local government, yeah. try to support these women and families yeah. at this time. Yeah. Because remember, domestic violence, one of the causes are not only alcohol and drugs, but also mm-hmm. the financial fall. People yes. have lost their business, have lost yes. their job, stress inside the house, drop inside mm-hmm. the house, no support system. You cannot even reach out to your family because may have an elder parent and you you can't because you, you will feel that you may be able to contagion them or mm-hmm. getting a disease or something. Mm-hmm. So many people have been by themselves with their families, just in a small space. For yeah. all these months, let me ask you a question. So, and I don't know if you if if there's any particular way of measuring this. I imagine there is long after the fact. I'm not sure in the midst of it. But let me ask you: um, How do you differentiate, or is it? Are are you seeing new incidences of domestic abuse? In other words, first time incidences in relationships because of the heightened level of stress, be it financial, um, physical space, proximity, mm-hmm. all know work have you seen an increase in first time behavior totally mm-hmm. yeah 
Okay. Because my conversations with other ladies after, because after we helped this woman, she had been moved already. She's not in the area anymore. She had to separate and she's with her parents, fortunately. But she passed the name to others, I guess. And I learned from other people have met with women inclusively were creating this smaller advisory group for our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we've been discussing about, you know, what happened? Is this new incidents? Like behaviors that have been changed. Yeah. In the yeah. husbands and the family, you know? And it has been also cases of men who have been victimized by the woman. So Oh, domestic violence it, domestic violence is not necessarily a woman being victimized right you know right. it happens to the children to the husband to the wife so you've been how many years have you been doing this work dr green since i was one second since 2001 when i started my nonprofit but as a volunteer since 1990 wow so yes, you got 30 years essentially yes. right yes. okay so 30 years doing this work. So I imagine, I don't imagine, I'm certain you have some really critical information that we need to hear. And there may be a woman or a man listening right now who needs to hear it. And so I wonder if we can back up a second, because I know your heart's desire is to is to help help people, empower them, particularly women, to help them to be financially independent. Is that true? correct? Okay. Yes. So backing up to this idea that potentially in this really high stress peaked time that um, collectively and globally, I, I'm not sure that we've seen before, maybe in, um, in the United States in the great depression, maybe some other things like that, but at least in our lifetime, I don't mm-hmm. think we've seen anything on such a long lasting chronic, mm-hmm. but yet acute scale. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the behavioral changes or things that we might want to be aware of within our own homes and with our friends that might cue us in that something bad might be happening or could happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you see a friend that she stopped fixing, see somebody who always fix herself and always looks wonderful or put together, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and suddenly you start seeing changes. Mm-hmm. The hair not come. Uh, they're not dressing anymore. They're not putting makeup. Something um, can tell you that something is going on with them and in their lives. You can see with people who get a lot very emotional when you start in conversation. They never did it before, never happened before. Okay. But you start having conversations, and then there's a lot of emotion mm-hmm. when you're discussing issues okay. that touch their souls and hearts. So those are things that I have seen. Okay. So how, uh, so you've, you've had experience doing this from a volunteer side. Yes. Do you have um, personal experience with this? Yeah, I've seen it. When I was a young girl, my mother. Mm. So my mother was trapped by abuse because of the financial dependency she had with my dad. Okay. She, she didn't have the education. She has never worked. So that is spike on that part of the family because he had the power. And when people have power, they exert their power upon the ones that they're in need. And as you right. could see it, and as you could see it, I mean, myself later on, when I started volunteering on this shelter for battered women called My Sister's Place in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., I identified the same thing, even though I was still very young and, you know, naive, I didn't understand well. But when I saw these women who they were coming to the shelter, then they were going back to the abusers and I saw them coming back again. So mm-hmm. I started having conversations, getting to know them as, you know, I was younger, getting to know the children. They explained to me. I asked them, why uh, do you 
go back to the abuser. I mean, they said, I have to go back to my husband because I don't have a job. Yes. And, you know, I can't take care of my children or myself. The same thing that happened to my own, you know, mother. Yeah. So what happened with your mom? How did did she get out of that? What was the outcome of that? Would you be able to share? Unfortunately, no. She died very young. So Mm. it was very unfortunately. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. But yet her, your desire, your love for her clearly is following her legacy in, in the line of work that you're. Totally is my life mission. And one of her words were like, she wanted me to never, you know, never stop studying. And even mm-hmm. if I marry well, mm-hmm. she wanted me to work. She didn't want me to be like her. And those yes. were her words. And I share wow. that in my book, Ending Domestic Violence Captivity, a book that was published by Volcano Press in 2015. Okay. Where can mm-hmm. we get a copy of that? Oh, you can go to Amazon. Everywhere is everywhere. Okay. Barnes and Barnes and Noble. Okay. You know, my so website, www.ludigreen.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll make sure that we include all of those links in the show notes as well. Um, but I want to, I want to get back to, you know, clearly you've identified yourself, the word got out, right? That you've identified yourself as a safe place, a place of where people can reach out for help. They can slip Mm -hmm. a note under your door, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I've seen some things flitting around on social media, and I wanted to get your perspective on it. Yes. So I've seen some things like their their posts that like, hey, if from women who are concerned with other women, okay, Mm -hmm. being at home, hey, if you're experiencing something, just, um, you know, message me with this code word or um, whatever, and then I can take it from there. What? What are we supposed to do? Let's say somebody does reach out to us. Let's say somebody does say something like, what do we do? Where do we turn? What are, what are, what's the recourse? Well, there are different areas. For example, the individual, the lady who reached out to me, she did not even have a place to go or anything like that. We had to make a plan of action or what are the steps to take. At that time, the shelters were closed. Mm. Imagine. Are they closed right now? No, some of them, they're still serving. Mm -hmm. Some of them in the district, they're still serving in some of the areas. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, so they have a space, everything is limited, but the service is out there. Mm -hmm. So the good thing is that I had an organization previously that I created and I mentioned that to you, uh, was called Second Chance Employment Services. Okay. The first and only employment agency in the U.S. for victims of domestic violence Mm -hmm. that was founded in 2001. Okay. And, um, so I put and that's my heart still in existence, right? Yes. So okay, basically, so. this um, this organization made a lot of partnerships, and one of the partnerships were hotels. Okay. And so we were able, even at the pandemic time, we were able to contact a contact of ours or our group to ask if they could help us place this person in a safe place until we get the train to take her, you know, back home, you okay. know, to their parents. So okay. it was a whole plan of action. In the case that you're saying about if a friend, somebody writes you, you need to find a safe place for sure. Mm-hmm. This now, person what, how do I skin. do that? Like, let's just say I want to do that and I'm concerned for me and my family. So how, you know, what's the balance of getting involved and protecting me and my family too? You see, that that's the, the part that, you have to be very careful because if this person knows how to use technology, will know how to follow the wife. Right. So now technology is really a problem. Okay. You have to be very careful about that. So I will think that not necessarily with you, but maybe with a friend or somebody in your community 
-hmm. faith-based community. Like we have worked with churches, synagogues, mass groups of people who they have different places and homes. So not necessarily in a house or can be in a house or can be in an apartment with somebody who's not using or can be, you know, in a hotel. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I want to go back to something that you said, because I think it's a, I don't think, I know it's a legitimate uh, fear. So back on season one of the podcast, I had a woman named Samantha Barber, who she's now uh, founded her own uh, nonprofit called Reaching Out Now, but she shared her own personal experience with um, domestic abuse and violence um, coming from the Caribbean um, Mm -hmm. to the States and how when she left with her children, she literally had, literally, she had like two pennies in her pocket. And she left, but she had reached a catalyst. She had reached a point for her that it wasn't about her safety. It was about her kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she did that. She broke through that barrier. Now, so that's one story. Another story, I recently spoke with a woman who her husband is not physically abusive, but certainly is mentally abusive. And is very controlling and has said things like, you know, you can't have this in the house or you can have this in the house. And she says in her words, I would leave if I had the money. What Mm -hmm. do you, can you talk about that a little bit? And can you think about there, there's somebody listening right now Mm -hmm. who may be in that situation. What Mm -hmm. would you say to him or her? Well, basically one of the things I will talk about is related to money you know, bank accounts and everything like that. I truly believe men or women, you have to have your own money and your own space since early years. You know, if you can start, if parents can start their children when they're younger. So in any situation, you can use those means. You can have them somewhere that is yours. Mm -hmm. So if you have to escape a situation like that, you will have somewhere to go Mm -hmm. and not be, you know, in distress and not knowing what to do or how right. to do it. That's the way I see it. And that's the way I have planned it. And I have a way that I advise people on how to start your own money nest. You got to create that. Okay. Besides, of course, your education. Sometimes you don't, You okay, sometimes I stay home mother for a few years when my daughter mm-hmm. was little, but I have my little money nest, you know, my little money yeah. that I can have access to it for whatever I will need. Sure, sure. So, okay, and what about the woman or man who is in the situation right now and they're fearful and they, they haven't done that, that that's not Got an it. option for them. Okay. They don't have a nest. I will particularly reach out to communities, to places we give, for example, my organization, when mm-hmm. I had it, when I was working there, we used to have like a fundraiser events and we will help individuals with a small amount of money or try to fundraise or go to different groups that they will be able to give them the money they need to escape from the relationships. Okay. For example, there was a group called, I remember clearly, they even helped Second Chance called the National Network to End Domestic Violence. Mm-hmm. An amazing group. It's a national group. And we will go and for immediate things, we will ask, it will not be amounts of money, but money that can help you for at least a week to take mm-hmm. care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are many of those around the whole nation. Do you know of a communal database, something that I could include in the link of the of the show notes, um, where people could go and search for these resources within their own geographic area? Is there something like that? We have it, but it's not like really all completed because always like they have disappeared a lot of uh, nonprofits during this time for the past, I will say six, seven years, a lot of shelters and 
nonprofits they have really shut down. So I want to go back to something you said because this is I know in in having conversations uh, with personal friends of mine that they have felt so judged, um, judged as weak, judged as stupid, even for um, being in a relationship that's abusive. Mm-hmm. And um, it alludes to something that you said earlier, which is you, you'd been asking, you know, why, why do you why do you go back? Why, mm-hmm. why do people go back? I wonder if you can just share a little bit of your own personal insights as to why you think that's the case and to give a little bit of uh, uh, comfort and challenge mm-hmm. to those who may be in that particular predicament right now that they get it. They know it's not right. They know this isn't the best thing that can happen for them. They know this isn't good for their future, but they keep going back. What would you say? Well, first of all, when we find, you know, a relationship, when we start something, there are many stages on that relationship. And we pick someone you fall in love with. You don't know what's going to happen. It's come from the heart, from your soul. Sure. So in my book, I talk about this Prince Charming, on my book, mm. Ending Domestic Violence, Captivity, I talk about this Prince Charming because yeah. you go for that. At the beginning, yeah. the relationship, the honeymoon stage, I call it. You start, uh-huh. you receive flowers, you receive candy, you receive, you know, gifts. Yeah. They, they the wooing, the courting. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So everything, you know, they will say yes for you. And so right. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's the way the many abusers trap the victim mm. by bringing all these beautiful things, saying wonderful things to you. By the time you realize you're already in a cage, yes, and it's a and mental cage that you yes. think you can't escape. And I, I want to ask you about that uh, mental cage a little bit more because I know you have some more information to share with us on that, but or perspective. Thinking about, I, I talk about in my own book and the dissolution of a relationship, which was not abusive, but I talk mm-hmm. about how in a relationship, we can uh, aggrandize things that happened before and we can romanticize them as though, but this is who they really are. Mm-hmm. This is who they, this, this stuff, this abuse stuff, that, that's not who they really are. Mm-hmm. Who they really are is that person before. So, so what do you say to that? I mean, you're talking about the victim, right? We're going back to the victim behavior. Yeah, okay. and, they're, and they're going, this is why I stay, mm-hmm. because I think back to all of these things, the things that they did to, so quote unquote, trap me, right? I think Correct. back to all of these mm-hmm. things, and I think they were really loving. This is who they really are. And so that's kind Correct. of secretly what I'm clinging to. To me, I truly believe that through the process of the whole relationship, and all catering to the woman, loving this person, or loving the man, right? Until you become the victim, we become brainwashed by believing that there's really this magnificent British army, which is not even in existence. And by that time, you are trapped in this cage. It's very difficult Mm -hmm. to leave. Well, and to see that you need to, Mm -hmm. right? Because that has to happen first, like that realization that this isn't right. Mm -hmm. Correct. But one thing I want to add up is this. If you are a friend or you have a family member who are in an abusive relationship, I would recommend you cannot force them. You cannot judge yeah. them. You only need to listen. Oh, you need to good. listen to the individual without judgment. And it's up to the person yeah. to make the decision to leave. That's right. We cannot force them. It is That's almost impossible. In my 30 years of experience, I have not seen it. Yeah. 
No, that's 100% true. And I think sometimes we operate under the mistaken uh, illusion that we can, if we just try hard enough, if we just think hard enough, if we get convincing enough that, that somebody else will have that, you know, aha moment, that, that experience where they go, oh yes, right. This doesn't make sense. But I think for it to be genuine, to prevent the um, I got to go back because I'm still kind of thinking in this brainwashed mentality. They have to reach that catalyst, as you're saying, on their own. And they basically, one thing, uh, one thing what they do, the abusers, they give us a dog color. You know, have you ever heard about this dog color that we put on the dogs? So when you have your dog outside, you know, mm -hmm. in your yard, you don't want the dog to leave. And they put the, elect the, the electrical fence. Yeah, yeah. I always see it like that. I make that little allegoric about my story. Yes. How the master puts the, the dog collar on the little dog, mm. gently, kindly, loving, right? right. And then the little right. dog believes that you put it. But right. then the dog doesn't realize when he tried to escape. The first time he escaped and he hurt, right? Yes. The second yes. time he tried to escape and he started withdrawing, coming back to the space. At the third time, that little dog will never escape. Right. Because he already knows what's going to happen. He's scared. Yeah. His yeah. mind is already trapped. He feels yeah. in that cage and he basically stays in the spot. And that's what happened to women yeah. victims of domestic violence and men. Wow. That is, that is a, a really accurate depiction of that experience. Now I want to ask you something uh, personal. And if you're, you know, willing to share, I know that it would add a lot of value to our discussion here, but we consider, too, in this situation, we consider the children who are um, victims as well in a household mm -hmm. where domestic abuse is the rule of mm -hmm. law. Um, I wonder if you could share your experience, Dr. <laughs> Green, of being a child in an emotionally or otherwise abusive household and, and share what that was like for you, maybe some of the uh, uh, beliefs uh, or, or things about yourself and others that that left you contending with as an adult? As a young girl, I, I believe seeing my dad, even though he was an atonement, I see him like a big monster. And I remember mm -hmm. myself hiding under sheets and asking God to take my life. Oh my God. I didn't want to leave because it was unexpectedly. You never know when it's going to happen. And it was a roller coaster of emotions mm -hmm. that I couldn't take. I would feel less. I would feel not, not well. I was trying to thrive and be the best, be the best grades to see that I will make that, you know, something special. And I wanted to say my mother and I couldn't. Yeah. And it's still. Like, so what did you have to work through Dr. Green to get to a place where you were able to step beyond that fear that that fear didn't have its grip on you? What did you, what kind of work did you have to do for yourself? Well, first of all, I escaped, you know, my space. I was not anymore where I was with my parents. I left and I moved to Washington, D.C., and um, I started giving myself to my education, to mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. I had like two, three jobs. Mm -hmm. I got my great education at the George Washington University. Mm -hmm. I thrived to help others. I got myself involved in the community, mm -hmm. understanding this issue, mm -hmm. understanding there was a place that women can be safe, like the shelters, mm -hmm. and then trying to figure out what can I do to create something that can really bring a solution. Mm. And that really turned my life around. It really healed me. 
It's amazing. Uh, you know, it sounds like you got to a place where you you really embraced purposing your trauma, purposing your pain, you know, channeling that into something that could be of service and useful to other people in a pragmatic way. And I also see that going the other way. So there is a generational abuse, right? Where mm-hmm. I don't want to be this way, but I end up being this way. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can talk with us a little bit about that and, you know, why, why does that happen? Generational abuse yeah, is quite common, not necessarily in every person, but many people, you learn a behavior. You see, your parents are like your educators. That's what you see every time. Yeah. So your environment is the person you become. Yeah. If you see it, yeah. even observe yourself, you know, observe things you do. Probably you're similar than your mom or dad. You don't know. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. My, even reactions on me, the way I talk to my daughter, things I do. And I realize, you know, I'm doing like, like my mother or my acting like my dad. So parents are critical mm-hmm. yes. before doing anything understand and be conscious in this world who's suffering so much right now mm-hmm. to understand the importance of our behaviors our self-control and not bring destructive individuals to the future because beautiful children who were born perfect because they were created perfect by seeing this type of behaviors they can totally turn around and become destructive to the yeah. future generations to come. Yeah. What do you think accounts for the difference, Dr. Green? So you, in your case, you purpose your trauma and then somebody else might be become the abuser that they hated. How? What do you think happens there in, in that shift? And I'm not saying those are the only two options, but why might somebody go one way and not the other? I think by anger, the different expressions of anger. Some people express anger by, you know, fighting, hurting and doing that. Other people express anger by crying. Yeah. In isolation and alone, and you know, you're yeah. going to your own cave and escape. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's that. Yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. So what else do you want to tell us about? I want you to tell us a little bit about Second Chance and and what you do and how we, you know, the listeners might engage with you, contribute, mm-hmm. donate to the organization. Well, right now, like I, I mentioned to you, I'm not involved anymore. Seven years ago, I left. Okay, so it. my whole life turned around. So I involved more in policy making and other type okay. of work for the past few years. I wrote the book, and uh, but I can talk about and say what the organization, you know, yeah, do. yeah, sure. So basically, the organization mission was to uh, basically it was an employment agency for victims of domestic violence, mm-hmm. and by which, you know, we partner with employers, with big mm-hmm. companies, small companies, government, all type of organizations. And they had about, when I left, there were about 380 organizations engaged in the placement process for victims. And then about 180 was, uh, 180 um, client partners, that means the referrals, women who can refer from shelters, welfare to work programs, Department of Social Services, mm-hmm. faith-based communities and nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So a beautiful network, an wow. amazing network where everybody help each other. So that was the whole mission of the organization. Mm-hmm. And on my book, Ending Domestic Violence Captivity, mm-hmm. it's all capture the whole organization, the model. It, it's a whole model, even with the tracking system, how to track down the victims that came to mm-hmm. the organization, how we serve them, how we place them, how much money they're making with mm-hmm. a follow-up tracking system of two years. Mm-hmm. So wow. the stories in the book talks about the stories of the, of the clients, the successes, the sufferings, the pain, the understanding, and, and the different concepts that I created along the way mm-hmm. for the book. 
so people to understand more clear how you get trapped in an abusive relationship and how can you escape? What are the yeah. steps? How your community can help? And a little bit about my, my past story as well, my mother. So in this book, basically, I share this whole model because I truly believe that they have to be social entrepreneurs out there who they want to create this model, which is amazing. It was a huge success during my terms in the organization. And I truly believe in it that one day will be used mm. because if they will create in partnership with other groups around this nation, this type of organizations, totally, I believe that, the, yeah. that they will diminish domestic violence in this country. Yeah. Because women will be empowered by having be self-sufficient. They will have their own jobs. Mm -hmm. They will be able to take care of themselves and their children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's one trick? Um, that somebody can do right now that a woman and she wants to start building her little nest, mm -hmm. um, but she doesn't have a lot of access to funds. Maybe she, maybe um, her household, maybe her partner is controlling and she's not supposed to go get a job. What's one little thing that she can do to feel like she has some semblance of influence and control over her future? Oh my gosh. I think you can even sell some of the things that you may have. Mm. I don't know. Right now you can use it. You know, you can go and do, yeah. do your Facebook. There's a Facebook market and it starts yes. selling things. Then you can also get to discounts. You get discounts, you know, from mm -hmm. different places like CBS and get yes. you, you get to pay less. And yeah. then by you, and then you have your little pick, a pick that yeah. you can start putting a dollar. Right. Kill, a dollar. You realize right. one time I had so much money in that pick. Let me tell you, <laughs> I just, I love those little pigs. I don't know. I just learned to do it and put my it's money so in it. It's, it's so, so true. funny, Dr. Green. I have a, it's like a, it's like a glass pig, it's like the mine. glass pig that I got when I was a little kid. And I love that glass pig. Like I love putting money in my glass pig. So, Trust me, sometimes you can use it because most of us, we're using these credit cards and all that. Right. And then when we realize, you know, we have real money, you know, you yes. can yeah, that coin. That coin adds up for sure. <laughs> now, I want to give you a little space, um, a platform, Dr. Green, to talk about, you mentioned it briefly, but talk about your podcast, where we can find yes. it, what the goal is, and what you're hoping to accomplish with it. Yes. So basically, this podcast is to address the problems of domestic violence, correct? And one of the things is I want to empower the listeners who are at risk or survivors uh, of the impact of domestic abuse. Okay. And through our podcast, we'll bring the subject matter experts who they have the solutions to the problems. Many people okay. cannot consult a lawyer, cannot consult a judge, cannot consult a psychologist, oh, psychiatrist. Yeah. So that's why I bring all these resources. So wow. through our website, people go and ask the questions. Okay. Yes. So it's www.ludigreen.com. Okay, so, and they can submit their questions there. They can submit their so questions. Can you give us an example of maybe some of the questions that have been submitted? Mm -hmm. Yes. For example, a lady, we had one of, a judge, I think it was in Florida or in Alabama, one of them. And they normally they ask questions, and it was a question that had to relate it to the court system. Mm -hmm. This woman was ready to lose their child, and they wanted to know what, what were the steps to take. Mm for her to avoid the situation. Okay. She didn't know. And she didn't have the money, the resources or anything. Wow. And basically this judge gave her the most amazing, you know, answer to the wow. question, basically save her situation. So like that. And we have had questions that they are psychological questions, you know, about things or what to do or, um, for example, what was it? I think there was some woman who was asking, 
one of a former victim, mm -hmm. Leslie Morgan Steiner, who I interview. She has a book and she's an amazing lady. And uh, her book is called Crazy Love. And one of the listeners asked her a question about being trapped and what does she need to do to escape? Mm. Because she was going through the same type of abuse this woman went and she gave her the most amazing answer and as well serve yeah. her because after that you hear from them, people write me and you know, they write us and, and tell us they think that think us. And so we're using it now as a resource. So whatever they need and whatever we can do right now, because we're limited as we're right now start growing. So okay. right now our first partnership is with this area, the Washington DC area. Okay. And then we have, I have partner with my sister's place, the women's center, okay. different places, you know, we're serving yeah. as a resource as well there. And then also expanding to New York City because they have reached okay. out to us, people in New York City, a couple of judges okay. and groups. We launched this podcast in June, June 12th. Yes. And since we've been going on and off, you know, like every two weeks and then now we're doing it more regularly. Okay. And as the time passes and the time it builds, I think that we wanted to use this as a resource. It will be a very different concept than my nonprofit, but it will be as well as resource. Yeah. A virtual resource, I will say. I love, I love the concept of providing uh, really a, a, a podcast of a, a virtual expert panel, if you will, yes. to, for people to be able to ask questions for. And let me ask you a question. Are those questions uh, available to be submitted anonymously? Yes. Oh, yeah. Many of them, okay. you know, they just say like Lisa from this state, maybe okay. Judy from another state. So different individuals, including okay. men have any questions. Yes. Okay. And then do you respond to them and say, hey, uh, on episode uh, number three, on this date, your question is being addressed or how do they, is there, yes. is there a path to follow up? Oh, yeah, there is a, a path to follow up because, you know, we have like a whole system already created and the people who work okay. as my program assistants, they are like the ones they're helping me, you know, mm. answer how we're going to answer this. How do we receive the questions? How many questions do we take? Because sometimes, you know, we don't have enough resources. So yeah. we do as best as we can. And sometimes yeah. the questions from the past, then we'll give it to another, to the next guest okay. that can be okay. in the same type of line of business that they're looking for, for the okay. answer. Mm -hmm. Wow. That sounds like a well-oiled machine, Dr. Green. I want to uh, give you an opportunity here. We have worldwide listenership on the Thriving Thoughts podcast, which just blows me away. But it's also very exciting to be able to use that audience um, mm -hmm. to help you grow your mission and, and do the work that you're trying to do. So my question would be, are there specific ex experts or specific geographic locations um, and experts within those geographic locations that you are looking for to be able to interview on your podcast, because somebody listening might be one of those experts, or they may be able to connect you with one. Well, basically what we're looking right now is um, individuals around the nation who their judges, you know, they really big judges who they really make the decisions in the court. So, so family ones, court judges, family court judges. Okay. We're looking for psychiatrists, psychologists, and they've been okay. coming. So thank, thank God we have a list right now of about waiting lists of, I think they're like about 71 individuals who they're going to be interviewed from different, you know, areas wow. and resources. It has been very interesting. And what I love the most is people have been listening, I guess, to the podcast or hearing from other people that we created this podcast. They have reached out to us for me to yes. start interviewing them. They're yes. like, oh, Frank, can, can I get interview for this right. and that? But I appreciate very much because your reach out is global. And yes. right now, my interest, yeah. of course, my interest has always been global one day. Yeah, yeah. Including Absolutely. with a nonprofit. 
first national and then global. And then global. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. As this, this issue is touches, I mean, globally is just incredible right now. Domestic yeah. violence has a spike all over the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So let me let me ask you this as we close out a couple of things, Dr. Green. If somebody wants to reach out to you to connect with you, maybe to serve with you, maybe to, uh, I don't know, be a guest on your show, or what's the best way for them to do that? They need to go to the website, www.ludigreen.com. That's the best way because you have people who they're assisting me to answer right away. And there's very prompt. A response will be prompt. They will hear from us. And they can serve in different areas. They can be part mm -hmm. of our advisory council. We have like mm -hmm. a whole advisory board that will help. You know, they serve this as a resources. These individuals, they help us as well. Okay. So we have a group of them. And then they also, they can serve, you know, as the sponsors of the program. They can mm -hmm. sponsor the program. And every sponsorship helps women escape from abusive relationships. Men escape from relationships and protect our children from child abuse and neglect. That's phenomenal. Now, before I close out with the last question that I have for you, Dr. Green, is there anything on your mind that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share? Well, yes. you've got some ears. Okay, go ahead. Yes. This is total something personal. I want people to fill their space with love. Mm. Even one square space, one little space in your house, when you all can feel safe, fill the space with love. Probably if you are, you know, spiritual with your spirituality. Mm -hmm. with your faith yeah, and build something just right there when you can just go and whenever you feel sadness mm -hmm. or fear, you can go and even take your child and sit there. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I have experienced it. And I think that is one of the most amazing things. One I time I got inspired by that once and I did it. And even my, my daughter is so funny. Um, I tell me, and I say like, my, I have a daughter and um, I tell her, I'm going to create today. I'm not a cook. I said, I'm going to create in my little space of love. I'm going to yeah. create a salad. And she said, mom, okay. I love it because if I feel the love when I eat it. <laughs> oh, I love Isn't it. Isn't that incredible? That's oh, my great. God. <laughs> and That's the salad great. is not that great because I'm not that great of a cook. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I so, <laughs> so you can create a space of love in yes. a salad. Yes, you can because yeah. you're in your kitchen and you're talking and you're like saying, you know, I'm. I want this salad made with love and I want to pour on my heart in it. Yeah. That's whatever so you beautiful. make it just a little, you don't need to overwhelm your house. Your whole house That's can be right. just a little room. Gosh, can be the bathroom, can be a little place, yeah. your little kitchen, but just that space of love for you and your family. Yeah, that's so valuable, um, Dr. Green, because I think sometimes we wait until we can have this grand thing that we envision. Yes. And really, it is it is the very ordinary, minuscule yes. things mm -hmm. through which we can experience that love. So thank you for reminding us of that. Oh, you're welcome. Love interviewing with you here. Thank you yes. so much, Dr. Sherry. You are like incredible. Oh, thank you so much for being on. Hey, listen, you can't get out of this, though. I ask every guest this one last question, and you are no exception. If you could leave the people listening with one truth, what would that be? Be a leader in your own life. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't wait for somebody else to lead don't you. For, don't wait for that. Be a leader in your own life. You guys, I am absolutely blown away by the wealth of information, no pun intended, from my friend, Dr. Ludie Green. Hey, listen, are you somebody who needs to build up that nest that she was talking about to establish your own money? 
I do encourage you to grab a copy of her book, Ending Domestic Violence Captivity, A Guide to Economic Freedom. Yes, you heard that right. And you heard her passion. She has a model for you designed specifically to set you free so you can be that leader in your own life, especially that economic leader. The other thing I call you listeners to do is to support Dr. Green and her vision for this unique podcast that she's recently launched called Ending Domestic Abuse. Would you please hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe, listen to an episode, rate it five stars, share it with a friend, share it with a family member, with somebody who needs access to the valuable information that is being presented on the show. Look, the great thing about this podcast, Ending Domestic Abuse with Dr. Ludie Green, is that she invites experts onto the show that we, you know, Us average people, we don't have access to them. Maybe you need legal advice. Maybe you need some other sort of psychological advice. She's got the experts that come on the show, and you can submit questions to her on her website, ludigreen.com. All of these links are in the show notes, by the way. And all you need to do is submit your question anonymously, and then tune in to find out what the expert says and what the guidance is for you. So what a novel concept for a podcast. I'm just so grateful to Dr. Green for sharing this with us. What a considerable issue, uh, particularly right now. Be on the lookout, my friends. Keep your eyes and ears and most of all your hearts open to know if something's off with somebody you love. And don't be afraid to listen, lean in. Remember, Dr. Green said, don't judge. Don't try to convince them. Just listen, lean in, and be there for them. And watch as you are there for them and you provide these resources to them, how they too can become a leader in their own life. All right, my friends, please be sure to tune in midweek for another episode with yours truly. If you'd like three thriving thoughts to your text messaging inbox right to your cell phone every week, all you need to do is text the word THRIVE, T-H-R-I-V-E, to 540-369-2139. All right, my friends, I'll see you right here next time on Thriving Thoughts. Until then, remember to speak truth over the lies so you too can thrive in any and every circumstance.